I just, I love the fact that we get to partner with different ministries all over the world. And um, you're gonna hear a report from the ministry going on in Chile, South America. And um, if you've been here a while with us at the church, then this name, um, the Armijo name, Robin and Alejandro and the family um, are not strangers to you. And they're here. And we're so glad that they're here on furlough uh, from Chile. They actually, we met in 2012, whenever they came here for Alejandro to get a citizenship um, here in America. And during that time, God led us and led them to a partnership um, to become a pastor of a Spanish ministry that we had at that time for four years. They were here pastoring um, over that ministry, watching over that ministry. And then Alejandro came to, well, they both came and said, um, we got to get out of here. And it wasn't because they didn't like to work with me. It was because um, God was leading in their hearts and, and because they have such a burden for the people of Alejandro's native um, country, and that is Chile, the people of Chile. And they are church planters now um, in Chile, have been working in Chile for 30 years. And um, they're heading back next week, and we're just so excited to have them here. I want to tell you something about this couple. <clears throat> they know what missionary work is all about, and this is what I mean by that. They are in the land of Chile, um, and their sole purpose there is to win as many people to Jesus as possible. To bring this salvation message we just sang about that we have experienced to people that are lost in um, their hometown and in their home country. And um, they're going to give us a great report on what's been happening. If you remember that we have partnered with them financially in last year during Season of Generosity to help them with um, the start of the building of their church, their new building. They, they've already purchased the land. You're going to hear about that. And we helped them build the wall around their property. So we're going to hear a report of what's going on and what our partnership in our giving has been doing over there in Chile. So give a nice, warm welcome back to the platform, Alejandro Armillo. Thank you so much for that in introduction. And uh, we are very, very excited to be here with you guys. Thank you for coming this morning. And, and thank you, FBC, Phil, and the whole uh, pastoral team and leadership and each of you uh, for being partners with us uh, because it's, it's, this is a partnership. You know, we are in Chile working as missionaries and, and you guys are not in Chile, but you are praying, you are giving, and you know, you are having a part of what God is doing. So every time God calls somebody out of the tomb and they respond to the gospel and they come to know Christ personally, you guys can say, oh, I have a part by, uh, through my giving, through my prayers, through this partnership, I have a part. And one day, when Jesus comes and takes us with him, you know, there are rewards, you know, heavenly rewards. The most important rewards we can have are those that God is going to give us when we meet him in heaven. So uh, I wanted to start saying thank you. And also I want to say that it's an honor for me to be here speaking to you, struggling with my tongue, you know, it's not an easy thing. I was remembering, uh, I was remembering the, the first time I had to speak uh, in English without a translator. And my translator used to be Robin. For, for several years, she was my translator. And I was working in New Jersey years ago for a year as a youth 
pastor. Imagine working as a youth pastor without really speaking very well. And uh, she was my translator every time I had to speak. And I remember, you know, I was ready to go one uh, Friday night to the youth group and Robin was sick. My wife was sick and she said, I'm forget it, I cannot go. You know, she was pregnant at that time. She wasn't feeling good. And, and I said, what am I going to do? You know, I need you. And she said, you will have to speak, you know. The Lord will, you know, work through you and he will help you. Just go and speak. You can do it. And I did it. Uh, and that was my first experience. And then after that, I told Robin, you know what? I don't need you anymore. No, 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 no. I still need her every day, but not for translate. At least sometimes she needs to help me. I don't find the right word, and, and she helps me. But um, from that moment on, I start speaking um, in English. Uh, so it's an honor for me, really, to be here at FBC, knowing that so, so many good preachers been here, uh, and you hear Phil and Kyle and many others, Pastor Blodgett, and here I am. You know, I was thinking when we were singing that song about, you know, coming out of the grave. When I came out of the grave in 1987, when I came to know Christ, I was 17 years old. And I heard, and I was in that dark, you know, tomb, you know, without hope. And the Lord came to my heart. Um, wonderful experience. Let me share with you uh, some pictures of the ministry, starting with my family. First of all, uh, you know, uh, Robin and I have been blessed with uh, four children, actually five children. One of our daughters is with the Lord. Uh, and um, it's great to come to the States and be able to see uh, part of our family. Uh, you know, we have four kids, and uh, Miguel is the oldest. He's a music pastor in Pittsburgh in a church leading worship. He started helping me. You know, we've been in church planting for many years, and he, since he was 11, 12, he started playing guitar and piano and doing the music. You know, when you do church plant, you do everything, you know. You know, you, you, I say, you, you kick the corner, you run and hit it with the head, you know. And, well, Miguel was our musician, and now he's a, a music pastor, and we praise the Lord. He has four kids. Natalia is in uh, Michawaka. She just bought her first home. We are proud, and she's working and doing well. And, uh, and Jacqueline, she just graduated last December from high school. You know, the school year in Chile goes different, okay? Starting March and at the beginning of December, she just graduated and pray for her because she just is moving. She's staying here. She's working in Starbucks and she's going to study. She doesn't have a driver's license yet. Uh, she has to wait until November. You might be thinking, well, the kids here get a driver's license when they are 15. Well, not out there. Out there in Chile, have to wait until you are 18. So uh, pray for that transition for Jacqueline. And our family going back to Chile is uh, just Andres and Robin and myself. So our family is growing here, but getting smaller in Chile. So uh, Andres has to be, you know, he's the only one at home now, poor, poor kid. And we are in Chile working in this country, interesting country, because it's so narrow. It's like New Jersey uh, but it's so long as United States is wide. That gives you a, an idea, you know, how long it is. And because of that, it's so different in ge geography, geography. And the climate is different. The north, for example, is very dry. 
you know, very dry, the driest desert in the world, the Atacama Desert is in Chile. When people come to visit us, we used to work there and, and, and we did a church plant. And every time people came to visit us, we asked them, what do you think? When they get out of the plane, they look at the ocean, the Pacific, they look at the mountains and they said, very brown. It is very brown. And Andres is doing sandboarding in uh, Iquique there, and you can see that. But when, then when you transition to the central region of Chile, you can see the difference. It's green. There's a lot of uh, vines in this area. Uh, remember, our weather is not uh, a tropical weather. It's uh, Mediterranean, so it's dry. Okay, so we have citrix and we have grapes. And in this area of Chile, the central region is where the capital is located. Look at those mount mountains. You know, in winter, right now it's winter, you have those mountains full of snow, beautiful view. This, uh, the capital, Santiago, a city of about 8 million people. And 75% of the population of Chile lives in the central region. Okay, so you find cities like Santiago or the Viña del Mar, which is a city next to the Pacific Ocean, a very tourist city. So you have 75% of the population living in this section of Chile. But then when you go south, uh, things look even more green and a lot of lakes and rivers and volcanoes like the Villarrica one. And, um, and if you move even farther south, you get to uh, see uh, glaciers. Is that right, glaciers? Yes. Glaciers. So what a contrast, no? The north, the central, the south. But you know what? There is something in common in Chile, which is the spiritual need. No matter where you are in Chile, the north, the central region, the south of Chile, the need is the same people inside those tombs, you know, waiting to hear the voice saying, come out. So uh, we are excited about what God is doing in Rancagua. Phil did a good job pronouncing. It's not an easy word to pronounce, that city of Rancagua. So practice it next time. I will try how you do, okay, with that. Rancagua is a small, small city. I say small because it's only 250,000 people, but there are several towns surrounding Rancagua. So you have more than, more than 300,000 people in this uh, area where we are working and uh, not many Christian churches and most of the Christian churches are very small. So uh, we are growing and that is a good thing. You know, you are uh, supposed to grow. The church is, uh, uh, you know, is, is God's church and he's building his church. So church is supposed to grow and we are excited that we are having two services on Sunday. In this place, we rent every Sunday. We have a service. A little later, people don't get up in Chile as early as you guys and people go to bed later than you guys. So 10.30, we have our first service and at noon, we have the second service. Now we are growing not just because we have people moving into the city and they know Christ and they are looking for a church. We have, of course, every church, you know, have families moving in and they are looking for a church and they found you and they stay. But most of the people uh, that are coming to our church, uh, our church is growing because of new converts, people coming to know Christ, hearing the voice of God saying, come out, you know, and they're responding. And uh, it's the case of Alexander and Pascual in the picture be before, you know, and people coming to know Christ. And I use this, you know, bracelet and the Bible, very effective, very simple way to share the good news of the gospel. And Xiomara and, and their son Jesus, Alexandra, 
Um, and as, as you can see, you know, people responding because people are waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They are in their tomb and they want to be free. When they hear that Jesus can free them, they respond. And as soon as they respond and they receive Christ, we say, okay, you, you, you will take the second step, which is you need to identify with this Jesus that died for you on the cross. He died, he was buried, and he rose. So when you get baptized, you are identifying with his death and his resurrection. So we usually we do a big, big baptism like this one in a whole day picnic. We do a picnic, we preach the gospel, we do games, but during the pandemic we couldn't, so we did it, you know, with smaller group of people, and, uh, and that's why you see some large group of people getting baptized, and a smaller uh, group of people uh, getting baptized because of the pandemic. And uh, this was the last baptism we had last December. And uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful day. But you know, uh, something that is opening us many, many doors in Chile has to do with immigration. Chile is also experiencing a large uh, immigration, large group of people from Haiti, from Venezuela, especially Colombia, Ecuador, and, and you know, Peru and Bolivia that are next to us, coming through the desert. Um, now, because Chile closed the border for immigration, they are coming illegally through the desert. Several people losing their lives because you have to remember that these are extreme weather. These are, um, you know, uh, very in, uh, high in altitude, so very cold at night, below zero, hot during the day, and dry. So it's not an easy trip for these people to cross the border. And you have some mines also to protect the borders. So, but this is opening us doors to preach and, and minister to these families that are coming with a little bag, you know, on their back, with a little bit of clothes, and with kids, families, and they are looking for a better uh, life and they come to Rancagua many of those families you know and they need to find the Lord and we've been able to uh, help them in many many different ways we were praying for a property to purchase you remember last time we were here I said please pray and we show you well we were able to purchase that land finally after a couple of years because of the pandemic everything was slow and we bought it last December uh, where we meet now uh, every Sunday is where the red star is and where the yellow star is is where we purchase a little bit outside the city limit is only 1.3 acres uh, piece of uh, property but will uh, give us enough room to build uh, as we see in the next slide uh, you know we'll see that we will be able to develop you know or build this building. This is our, our dream building. And we are working with a Christian architect. And we are going to have a room for 400 people, a multi-purpose room for 400 people, plus classrooms, bathrooms, a kitchen. You know, social is important for Latin American people. So we need a kitchen, and we need a couple offices to do discipleships. And you can see the high ceiling and the multi-purpose, and then two levels with classrooms. and you know, and God is providing, and we are excited about this project, and uh, we are dividing what uh, remain, uh, the remaining of this project in two phases, okay? So, if we see phase one, uh, this is what we are looking uh, to do, and one of them is already done, as you will see now, 
is, is the perimeter wall. And Phil mentioned that you guys help us. Thank you so much. And that is finished. It's, um, you may ask, why do you put walls? Well, you know, if you start building and you have materials and you have tools and you don't close, they will come in, people will come and steal those things. So that's why we need to protect the property. But this first stage also means put the foundation. And we do have money to do that. You know, put the foundation and, and the floor and then uh, put the metal, basic metal structure. We have the money to get to that point. We will do that as soon as we get the permit. Probably in November we will start doing that. But then we want to put a metal frame. I mean, we want to put the roof, I'm sorry. Put the roof and the exterior walls. Because if we do that and we get to that point, even though we are not going to have division yet inside, at least we can meet there. You know, the young people can meet there, the kids. We can meet on Sundays. You know, we can uh, use it. So that's why we are trying to get to that point, you know, and pray that the Lord will provide. It's about $200,000, $250,000 more with the money we have. And that amount, we will be able to get to that point. And we, will, and we can use it. Now, when are we going to start putting that um, foundation? We hope by November to have the permits. And then uh, the weather will be better. Now there is a lot of rain because it's our winter. Here is summer, over there is winter, and it's uh, too wet. It's not a good uh, time to put foundation. So pray that the Lord will provide. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. And pray that the Lord will put in the hearts of churches and people to invest. Because that, when you give to missions, it's an investment. You know, it's the best investment you can make. It's not an investment for your, uh, this world. It's a heavenly investment, which is the best of all. Thank you so much. Pray for us. We go back on Monday the 28th and we have a long trip. We go to Toronto and then 10 hours Toronto to Santiago, Chile. Uh, it's a long flight and pray that the Lord will take care of us. We have a table outside with some um, uh, prayer cards like this one. Take one with you and every time you see it just make a small prayer, short prayer. Pray, God, use the armijos, take care of them. That is very powerful, and we will really, really appreciate it. Okay, time is flying. Man, time is flying. Yeah, two hours now, only have one, one hour and a half left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm hungry too, so don't worry. Uh, hopefully, we will be able to get out on time. Uh, beautiful song, you know, talking about Jesus calling people out. And I told you that. I was called when I was 17 years old. I grew up Catholic with my family. My mom came to know Christ first, and then my brothers, and then myself when I was 17, and then my father, and, uh, and through my mom, several relatives, because the gospel is spread and is powerful. And when it impacts your life, through you, he wants to impact others. Because we are in a mission. So when we talk about missions, it's really the job of each uh, believer. I was going to say in Spanish, creyente. Each, of each believer, you know, it's our mission uh, telling others about the Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are in a mission. 
And when we go to the passage we are going to read now in Mark, uh, you will see that the Lord and his disciples were in a mission. You know, they were preaching, they were teaching, they were trying to explain the people that they had a need, a spiritual need, that they needed the Savior, they needed Jesus. Some of them refused the Lord. They were following Jesus just because they have interest in material things, you know. But some people were following him and trusting and believing because Listen, when you preach, some people reject, but people respond too. And that's why you are here today. And that's why I'm here today speaking to you. So we are in a mission. And as we read this passage, we will see that the Lord is doing that. But um, sometimes, you know, the Lord has to take like a special time, like a time out. Is that right? Time out? It's time out. Okay, guys. He said to his disciples, let's take a time out, and they got into the boat. Let's read the passage uh, together, and we will see that, that that day when evening came. So they were preaching. They've been preaching all day long, okay? It's not an easy job to preach and tell people. You know, work with people is not an easy thing, and you know that, you know? Each person I say is a different, it's, each person is a world in itself, is that? That makes sense, no? Each person is a world in itself. Each person is facing difficulties and different situations. And you are telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, man, that makes you tired. At the end of the day, Jesus and his disciples were tired. And the Lord said, you know, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, see, they were following. They, they've, they've been followed by many, many, many people. They left the crown behind. They took him, they took Jesus along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats. And if you have a pen, you should, you know, underline that there were also other boats with him. Because I think that is a very important thing. And we will, we will go over that in a few minutes. A furious squall came up in the waves. So what happened here? Suddenly, suddenly, uh, everything was fine. They, were, they got in the boat, you know. Everything seems to appear like there was no storm whatsoever. But when they got in the boat and they were in the middle of the lake, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Okay? And says that Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He was sleeping. He was tired. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray as we continue. Close your eyes for a moment. Bow down your heads and say to God, Lord, talk to me this morning. Well, talk to me this morning. I need to hear your voice. Talk to my need, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 
when we read this passage, it's obvious to see a storm. Uh, there is a storm. Something is happening. Big winds and big waves hitting the boat of the disciples and the Lord Jesus and the other boats as well. So the first thing I want to say is that storms come up when we are not expecting them. Things are well, everything is well, and boom, suddenly something come up. Maybe you right now are in that moment. Things were so well until last week, until this week, until today. And a storm is hitting us so hard. You know, in this passage, really, uh, there are three storms. The circumstantial storm, the waves, the wind, that boat was sinking. But follow, this is like a change, you know. Follow is an emotional storm. Because every time we face a circumstantial storm, our emotions get involved. It's impossible to separate the circumstances we face with our emotions. And we feel anxious and we are nervous and our heart beat start, you know, our hearts start beating like crazy and we sweat and we cannot sleep. Oh, our emotions. But when we experience a circumstantial storm followed by an emotional storm, then comes the spiritual storm which is our convictions being hit by the waves and the wind. You know, we start even doubting about our salvation. We start doubting about God's love, his care. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's not real. <laughs> you see, a circumstantial storm leads you to an emotional storm, and an emotional storm leads you to a spiritual storm. And that is exactly what is happening here with the disciples. Now, what, why is God doing this? They were doing the mission. They were teaching and preaching. Well, because God needs to take time with us in order to make us more to his image, in order to be more effective for him when we do the mission. Now, when we are in the middle of these storms, we need to keep in mind several truths. And this is what we are going to see today. First of all, we need to keep in mind his promises. Because verse 35 says that, that that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, keep that in mind. He said, when God speaks, we should pay attention. We must pay attention. But it's not always the case. Many times God speaks and we don't listen. We just don't pay attention to what he says. And that was the case of his disciples. Remember when Jesus died, and he rose that Sunday morning. The woman went to the tomb and the, the disciples didn't believe he was alive. And how many times did Jesus tell them, I'm going to die and I'm going to raise? Many times. But they forgot about it. Now, what is Jesus telling his disciples? We are going to the other side. I want to tell you something. The Lord, when we come to him, he's taking us to the other side. No matter what. Okay, we can trust. I love that passage. One of the passages I memorized many years ago is John chapter 10, uh, verse 27 through 30. 
In that passage, John 10 is beautiful because talk about the good shepherd that gave his life for his sheep and says that we are in God's hands and nobody can snatch out of his hand. I love that passage. Every time I share the gospel and somebody comes to know Christ, I tell them now, I will tell you a very important truth. Now you are in God's hand and nobody can snatch you out of his hand and Jesus' hand is inside the Father's hand and nobody can snatch us out of God's hand. And so... His promises will keep us during those hard times. Now, do we know promises? Do we know the word of God? We must read the word of God. We must, you know, mark those promises and get a hold of them in the times of difficulties. Now, David knows about storms. He was persecuted by King Saul. Do you remember that? He was escaping and, and Saul wanted to kill him. Oh, because men can be so evil. And, he, and Saul wanted to kill David. And David was escaping and moving and moving to different locations in order to uh, survive. So that's why in, when we read the Psalms, we see the pain, the suffering. But we read verses like Psalm 34, 7, when he says, The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. You see, David knew the promises of God. David knew that God was with him. In Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, uh, reminds us of a beautiful promise in chapter 41, verse 10 of his book, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The promises of God. Like the one the, the Lord spoke to his disciples in John chapter 14. When they were getting sad because the Lord was going to leave them. And the Lord said, don't worry guys. Don't, don't be sad. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back for you. Those promises are important to keep in mind when we face storms. We need them. So when we face storms, we need to keep in mind, first of all, his promises. And I need to go fast because if not, we are not going to have time. But secondly, his presence. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. But there were also other boats. What is the difference in between the disciples' boat and the other boats? There is a big difference. The disciples had Jesus in their boat and the other boats, they didn't have Jesus. All boats were in the middle of these heavy winds and big waves. All these boats were sinking but only one boat had Jesus. Mabel, somebody was telling me earlier about a lady that I shared last time I was here that was facing cancer. Mabel from our church. She was the first person to come to know Christ in our church. And Alejandro, my colleague, led her to Christ. And she had a cancer. She passed away about a year ago. And we went with Robin so many times. At the last couple of weeks, every day we went. And here is Mabel dying with medicine. 
we were singing, sad to see somebody dying in front of your eyes. And she's telling us, Pastor and everybody else, what are you doing crying? Why are you sad? I'm going with the Lord. That is, you know what? That is powerful. When somebody with Christ is dying and is encouraging you that you are supposed to encourage them because she knew that Jesus was her, was holding her and was going to take her with him. The presence of God is very important, but what a sad thing is, and we, those that are in ministry, and when we have to go and minister to families, and that happened, you know, in Rancagua sometimes, we have a family, and they say, Pastor, can you come and do our service? We have a, a, a relative that passed away. They don't know Christ. We take it as a great opportunity to share the good news of Christ, but you see the people crying, and they have no hope, and no, you know, and they cry desperately because they, they, they know they are not going to see that person again. But we have the presence of God because Jesus was in their boat. You remember what I, we, we just read in Isaiah 41.10? Do not fear, I am with you. Are you fearful today in the storm? Jesus is with you. And now we were singing before, he knows about suffering, Jesus does. He suffered. He suffered. So he can understand the pain you are going through right now. Joshua, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, probably is one of yours too. Joshua. Suddenly, he was in the middle of a storm. He was a servant of Moses and suddenly what? He is now in charge of the nation of Israel and now he has the responsibility of taking the nation of Israel to the Holy Land. He has to cross the river. He has big and huge enemies and he is so fearful, he's not sure God is with him. And the Lord spoke to him in Joshua 1, 9, we read, I have not commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. We have to remember that. The Lord is with us wherever we go. Even in those difficult times, the dark times, that seems like we are alone. No, we are not. He's with us. His presence, his promises, his presence, our prayers. You know what? We can go to the Lord anytime. And in this passage, in verse 38, we see that the disciples were desperate. They were yelling at each other, we are going to die. But then they remember, oh, Jesus is with us. Let's go to him. Lord, Lord. Now, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And we see it in this passage. He's totally tired. The waves, the wind, the screaming of the disciples didn't wake him up. You can see how tired he was. And the Lord wake up. And um, because every time we have difficult times, we can go to the Lord and he's waiting for us to pray to him. We can pray to God anytime. As we read before um, in Psalm 34, David in verse 6 of chapter, 30, uh, chapter 34 says, This poor man called and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David said, oh man, I, I cried to the Lord. I called into the Lord and he heard me. He heard you too. He can hear you. 
anytime, anywhere. And then he says, the angel of the Lord comes around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. You know what? You need a refuge in Jesus now. Just go to him. Go to the Lord and he will, man, give you a big hug. You can refuge in Jesus and experience the joy of prayer. When we face storms, we can count uh, on his promises. Uh, we, can, we have to keep his presence in our mind, our prayers, his peace. You know, one of the hardest things in the storms is to kill, stay, stay calm. We get anxious, sometimes desperate. Maybe there is not a word to describe how we feel when we experience those hard times. Paul, writing to the Philippians, says that do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, and don't forget Thanksgiving, Paul says, present your request to God in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, when we experience storms, our minds and hearts are the ones really struggling. But when we go to God and we go in petition and prayer and thanksgiving and we give this burden to him and we say, God, here I am, uh, it's hard, but I give it to you, Lord, take it. I cannot take it. The Lord at that moment give you peace. His peace that, that says here that people in the world don't, don't understand it. When you are facing a difficulty and you are trusting in God and they see you and they think you are crazy because you have peace. And verse 38 says that the Lord was and the stern sleeping on a cushion. And verse 39 says it was completely calm. When he rebuked the wind and the waves, what happened? Complete calm. He can rebuke the situation you are facing right now and suddenly you can you can have complete peace in your heart and mind. So when we face storms, we have to keep in mind his promises, his presence, our prayers. We can go to him, his peace, but also his power. Because I mentioned in this passage, you see Jesus as a human being. He was tired, sleeping. But at the same time, we see him as fully God with so much power that even the wind and the waves were not able to, you know, overcome him. Because verse 39 says that he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the, the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The power of God is um. Believable. If you think that the storm you are facing is too big for God, you are mistaken. There is nothing too big for our God. He can calm any storm. He can change any heart. That might be the storm you are facing. You are praying for somebody in your family, your husband, your wife, your kids, and you think, oh, is this, is, his heart is too hard for God. No, no. He can change it. 
because our God is powerful. The same God that in Genesis said, let we, let, let, the same God that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 says, let there be light. And there was light. The same voice that said to Lazarus, come forth. And he was alive. Is the one that can call into your storm today and make things disappear. But when, uh, when we think about storms, we have to be reminded finally about his purposes. Why is God allowing us to go through these hard times? And sometimes we have the question that disciples had uh, when they went to Jesus. And they said to him, uh, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Have you ever made that question to God? God, don't you care? Why are you letting me go through this, Lord? Everybody probably can identify with that question. And the disciples were asking that question. But there is a purpose. Absolutely, there is a purpose. Because God doesn't waste any situation in our life. The good things and the bad things. Listen, even the storm. There are three types of storms we can have. The one that the devil make us go through because we have examples in the Bible. Job was the devil, you know, testing Job's faith. But there is other storms that the Lord allowed us to go through, like this one. But there are other storms that we cause them because of our bad decisions, our mistakes. Even in those storms, God can work his purposes see how wonderful God is even in our mistakes God can be glorified and uh, verse 39 says that he rebuked the wind the waves but then what happened he rebuked his disciples he turned the Lord turned and looked at his disciples and he asked them why are you so afraid now, they were terrified because of the wind and the waves. But now, says the verse, that uh, they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And the Lord asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You're still doubting about my power, about my presence? Well, you know what? We go through storms because the Lord wants to grow up our faith. He wants to make your faith stronger. He wants to purify you and me. First Peter talked about this in his first chapter. He's talking about the hope we have, this wonderful, wonderful inheritance we have. And then says, but listen, for a little while we will go through hard times. Because our faith is like gold that needs to be tested through fire. And when our faith goes through fire, it is purified. And when the Lord comes, says that the Lord will be um, honored. Says, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So he's working 
in our lives because we are in a mission. The storm storm you are facing is just a parenthesis. And listen to me. If you are going through that hard time now, he is preparing you for a mission. Because as soon as they get out of the boat, chapter 5, you read it at home, first verses, they got out of the boat. And I spoke about this last time I was here. A demon-possessed man came out of the tombs, naked, cutting himself, yelling, out of control. They tried to tie him with chains. He broke them. He was full of demons. And Jesus Christ delivered him. As soon as the Lord sent him to preach to his family and friends, the Lord got in the boat with his disciples. When they got back to the other side, a woman, she was bleeding for years. She needed a a healer. Not just her body needed to be healed, but also her spirit. And she managed to go through the multitude of people because a crowd of people always follow Jesus. She managed to go through the people and she touched the clothes of the Lord Jesus. And what happened? She was free. And then, as that was happening, a man came saying, Jesus, my daughter, she's 12 years old. She's dying. She's sick. Please do something. And as they start walking to his home, people came saying, don't bother Jesus, she already died. And the Lord said, don't don't listen, (laughs) just trust. And they went into his home. And the Lord took John and Peter, Jacob, the mother, the father, they got in the room. Jesus said, little girl, stand up. And she came alive. The power of the Lord. The mission. You see, the trial you are facing, the storm you are facing is just a parenthesis. God is polishing you because he wants you to be more effective in what? Reaching out the people because there are so many people in need of a savior. Are you in the middle of a storm right now? Now, I have a question for you. First, is Jesus in your boat? Did you ever invite Christ into your heart? Did you ever repent and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I will be separated from you, but I need you, Christ. I need you to come into my heart. I want you to come today because today is the day of salvation. I, I need your forgiveness. You need Jesus in your boat. You can invite him today and he will come right away. Now, if you are a believer and Jesus is in your boat, but maybe you've been doubting about his presence, his power. You've been not praying. You've been kind of away, doubting even his promises. Your convictions are being shaken. And today, you, maybe you should come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me because I still have no faith. But now I realize, man, you have enough power and you are with me and I'm in your hand, Lord. I trust in you. So let's close our eyes. And as we finish, if you hear the voice of God saying, I want to come into your heart and you never invited Christ in your heart, no matter the age, you might be a teenager, you might be an adult. If you never invited Christ, tell him right now, Lord, I... I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I'm desperately in need of a savior. 
And I need you right now. Christ, come into my heart. Lord, wash my sin with your blood. Be my father. I want to be your child. Praise the Lord. And if you are a believer and you are struggling, pray right now and say, God, forgive my unbelief. Now I realize that you are with me no matter what. Help me to keep trusting you in you, Lord. I give my storm to you right now. Pastor Phil's going to come and close at the end. Robin, why don't you come on up here? And um, we're going to pray over them as we close this time. But um, thank you. Thank you for the example you're setting before us and thank you for the word that you brought to us today. We need this, don't we? Because all of us are facing something. And this is a strength to me today. And um, at the end of the service, like always, we have an invitation for you to come to the front. Our prayer team will be up here. We'd love to pray because some of you might be at this spot in the cycle of the storm where you're just screaming out. Don't you care, Lord? Don't you care that I'm drowning here? Don't you care that I'm gonna perish or that we're gonna perish? And maybe you just need some strength, just kind of have somebody pray a prayer over you for that. If you gave your heart to the Lord this morning, whether you're here or whether you're wherever you are online, we would love to hear about it. We'd love to celebrate that with you, get you started, get you started on your first step of obedience for baptism and growing in the things of the Lord. Or if you need Jesus, you want him in your boat and you know he's not there, we would love to have the privilege of sharing that with you. Let's stand together. And we're gonna pray um, over them as we're dismissed that God will bless you guys as you go for this next round of ministry over there in Chile. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We are so grateful that you reached into our lives and called our names from the darkness of the tomb, gave us the faith to believe so that we could have life in you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here that um, need strength and help in the middle of their storms, or maybe they're going through a fire right now, a fire that is a purifying fire. I pray that um, you will bring strength to them and that the words of this message today, the story that we heard today, will um, ring out in their ears and bring that peace that passes understanding in the midst of the storm and bring the comfort along to help in their time of need. I pray for those who might need salvation today, that they will have the boldness to stand up and the humility to admit that they need a savior and give their life to you today. And I pray for Robin and uh, Alejandro and Andreas as they return back to Chile next week, that you'll bless them, that you'll give them safety as they travel, that you'll give them favor with the church there and all the people that they're ministering to, and that the harvest of souls will continue to flow in Chile, that you'll give them great ministry and um, encourage them and strengthen them, help them not to get weary in the ministry that they have there, that you'll bless them with the, the fruit of their labor and that they'll be able to see the fruit of their labor in the land of the living here. 
bless them and, and meet their every need as they're away from us and representing us there. And we pray for the church in Rancava, that you will strengthen them and help them and grow them underneath their ministry. We want to honor you with our lives, Lord. So as we leave this place today, we pray that you will use us, that you'll help us to shine our lights bright for you in the way that we live, and that you'll bring us strength in the midst of the storms of this life, and that we'll, um, we'll glorify you in the way that we respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. They're going to go out to the back to their table if you want to speak with them or pray with them or um, encourage them in some way and hear about their ministry. Again, as everyone leaves, if you would like to come forward for prayer, we would invite you for that. God bless you.